Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That is the catchiest theme music around. Yeah, I like that. I really do. Welcome to the Steam Room, everybody. Uh, Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Uh, this is episode three. Uh, and they said we wouldn't make it. And every week, Chuckster, it gets better and better and better because we've incorporated live guests into this show. I so like you'll, that. you'll be hearing from... Uh, big names, too. Big names. Chris Fowler of big ESPN. Names. Jake Tapper of CNN. Yes. Both joining us. Here in the state. That reminds me of something my daughter said to me one time. She says, because I watch ESPN and CNN a lot. She says, this was she was like 10. She's like, do you only watch networks that's got letters in them? <laughs> like, Christiana, they all got letters in them. <laughs> She's come a long way. She's come a long way. Um, so we start uh, the steam room, as always, with uh, Charles' favorite phrase, and that would be, first of all, huh? First of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hunting nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. <laughs> and here we are, first of all, our first show of the new year. Yeah. First show of 2020. Well, you know, uh, first of all, I'm going I'm to talk about the lack of minority coaches. That's a big deal in sports right now. And... I implore uh, white owners to give black candidates a chance. You know, we had, the NFL is made up of 70% uh, black players, and I think we only got three minorities at this point. And I don't think it's always racism, but I think I'm imploring to the owners and the general managers to look into their heart and give these young black men an opportunity. If they suck, they can fire them, but give them an opportunity. I'm going to give you a personal experience from my life when it comes to talking about hiring minorities. My financial guy is like a father to me. His name is Glenn Guthrie. He's like a father to me. Good man. We've been together forever. And I asked him one time, I said, I need you to hire a black guy here. He says, what do you mean? I said, I need you to hire a black guy. He says, you think I'm racist? I said, no, you're not racist at all. I'm never worried about you being racist. But what I think that white people do you hired a friend, you hired another friend, you hired your son, and I think a lot of white people do that, and they don't give uh, minorities, uh, black men, Hispanics, women, they don't give them an opportunity. And I'm not gonna yell and scream because, like I say, I don't think everybody who, I don't think all those, and first of all, I hate when people talk about it without a pure heart but I don't want to rain on a white coach who got a job uh, because he, he might, he, he's probably qualified and I don't want to think we should just hire black people because uh, they're black. But I just implore the owners to open their heart up and give these young black coaches a chance. But to get back to Glenn, I said, Glenn, I just, you hired your family and friends. That's the way the business world works. Most people hire family and friends, people they know, but we need to give a black, person an opportunity. He did. He says, I never thought about that. And it, when he said that, I says, that's the point I want to make to you. Until these owners like, you know what, maybe I should give a minority a chance. And I can say, I don't think all those owners are racist. I think they just don't think. They're like, oh, I know this guy. He knows somebody I know. 
So that's the first thing I want to talk about, uh, implore these owners and general managers to just give minorities a chance. Like what, I say, was, what was it that, that brought that to your mind and said, hey, when we do this steam room this week, this is what I want to talk about? Was there a specific... No, because, uh, well, because obviously it's a big a big deal in sports right now because all the openings went to uh, white candidates. And uh, Matt Rue, who's a hell of a coach from Philly, Temple to Baylor, he gets a head coaching job in the NFL. Uh, that don't normally happen. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure any black coaches ever came from college and got a head coaching job in the NFL. I'm pretty sure I, I, I am. Now don't, and also the guy from the Patriots, who was a tight end, a special teams coach, got a job coaching the New York Giants, and uh, he might be qualified. I wish him nothing but the best, but that stuff does not happen to black coaches where they coaching in college and they get a head coaching job in the NFL. That that does never happen, and like I say, you they never get a special teams coach and make them a head coach. Like there's some black assistants, they had to pay their dues. So I, I just like I say, I hate when people use racism when it's not warranted. Like I say, I don't think every owner who hired a coach was racist. I just asked them to take a look, and if it happens again, like, hey, let me give a, a black man an opportunity. So that's all I want to say. That is first of all, which is uh, always our starting point here on the Steam Room. As I mentioned, a couple of special guests coming up. Very in this special. Edition, the first of whom uh, joins us next. Chris Fowler of ESPN getting ready to call the national championship between uh, Clemson and LSU. We'll be back. We welcome you back to the steam room. And Chuck, special guest. Yeah, but if there's anything we've, if there's anything history has taught us. You never know who you're going to bump into in the steam room. That's and, true. And we do have the first steam room guest ever. This is huge stuff. Chris Fowler of ESPN is going to be calling the national championship game on Monday with Kirk Herbstreet. Guys have been working together for 24 years. Wow. And Burrow steps up. And we'll take a downfield shot. And has Chase. And he'll score. Welcome to college football, young fella. Chris, thanks a lot for uh, spending some time in the steam room, man. Nice towel. It, it's my pleasure, fellas. I have a humidifier going in the room yeah. in honor of the steam room. So it's, <laughs> it's blowing warm mist on me right now just to kind of get into the vibe. Great. When are you going to New Orleans? Head out tomorrow. Hey, before we get to the national championship game, Chris, can you imagine when you first started game day that it was going to turn into this magical must-see every weekend show? No, it, it all turned around when we got our first guest picker on there. We discovered the magic of having a uh, a guy pick games along with us. Remember that? You were the very first guest picker. You know that, right? I did not know that. You were the first guest picker. Chris Fowler is yeah. the first guest on the steam room. Uh, wow. It, what it, wild it, synergy. It, it, the universe provides symmetry. No, we, we, were, we were in Knoxville. Chuck's there in his office. Yes, yes, I remember. The, I remember up. now. I didn't know I was the first picker. It was Ronnie Brown and Cadillac. He predicted not only an Auburn victory, they would stomp on the balls, and they, they pretty much did. And he, he was so good and, and brought up, moved the needle so much that we figured we got to do this more often. So that, that began the, the legacy of guest pickers. But, but no, no, you, know, you couldn't have imagined the thing was going to grow. It was on life support in 1990 when we took it over. But it was a half hour long. Nobody watched it. And we're proud of building it, for sure. Well, the thing that's amazing, and I'm not just saying this because you own the steam room, every Saturday morning, just, first of all, uh, Coach Corso is the greatest. The sign thing is the second greatest. <laughs> like, and, and the enthusiasm that the fans, you, they're so excited when you guys come to town. It's must-see TV. Yeah, they're a character in the show, and they know it's about showcasing their program, not looking at the back of our heads. And that's what's made it great. I mean, we, I would have quit a long time ago. So would the rest of the cast if the show had been in the studio and, and not in front of a crowd. Because never can have as much fun as you guys have in the studio. And I think we would over, over that amount of time, there would have been a sameness to it. But I, I think that keeping the thing on the road kept it fresh, kept it challenging, which, as you know, is important. It's, it's super challenging to do a show with that kind of noise around you and 
snow, wind, rain, sun, <laughs> the elements and all that stuff and, and no teleprompter. So that it always kept you sort of on your toes, the challenge of it. But it was a blast. And once in a while, I don't miss the wake up call at all on Saturday morning. <laughs> but once in a while when they're having fun out there, I kind of do miss it. Yeah. Hey, um, on as far as Monday night goes. So here you've got uh, this LSU team, uh, which took out my Georgia Bulldogs and and uh, this burrow looks like uh, uh, all world. And then you've got this Clemson team that's still trying to play this kind of respect card. You know, an undefeated team that came close to losing to North Carolina. But hasn't uh, I just was, I was watching because I've been watching already getting ready for the game. The kid has not lost a game. Yeah. No. So what? So what, Lawrence has never lost as a start. He lost as a in a Georgia. State playoff game in November of seventeen. That's the last <laughs> loss that he suffered as a starting quarterback. So, and that's why it's hard to bet against him. But it's hard to bet against Burrow. Yeah, you got the two guys that are probably the, the top two picks in the next two drafts. Certainly, the top quarterbacks taken, and I, I think that makes it super compelling. But it, it's hard to pick against either one. Trevor's done it at a championship level to a different degree. And Burrow or LSU has had, but the game you you mentioned, the Georgia game, Ernie. For me, that was critical. It was basically a road game. I was on the field watching the game, and that was their first postseason game as a group. And Burrow's really first meaningful postseason game. So I'm thinking, how does he handle this? You know, the running backs kind of nicked up. The way he's performed in that game and the Oklahoma beatdown makes you think that there, there's something special, even though they don't have as much championship experience as the other guys yeah uh so what are the storylines that you and herbie are going to be traveling down um as you get ready well for I, this? I think you know big picture you got two 14 and 0 teams so whatever happens you're going to see a piece of football history if clemson goes back to back 15 and 0 wins three out of four that's preposterous man you're not supposed to be able to do that and along the way it will have beaten two 14 and 0 alabama teams a 14 and 0 lsu team in the dome Notre Dame was undefeated last year, so you, you put that on top of the, the, the winning streak, the three out of four, and they're going for, I think, it's the greatest run we've seen in the modern era. You're talking mm-hmm. about Rockney and Notre Dame, Osborne, Nebraska. I mean, very, very few programs have, have been able to do that. LSU, would, to me, would cap one of the special seasons we've ever had, and Burrow is one of the best quarterback seasons I've ever seen in this sport. So either side, I think it's going to be, be something special and something historic. There's obviously the individual stories. You know, Coach Orgeron is like a national treasure. I mean, I just every time he opens his mouth, he just sounds like Louisiana. His story is one of resilience. I mean, there's so many individual stories on both sides. You hope to have the time to tell them when it's a up-tempo, breakneck speed game. But, uh, no, there's no shortage of plot lines. You know, uh, Chris, we got this, and it's making me really uncomfortable talking about uh, – paying college players because I don't think there's a fair way you can do it Uh, because, you know, they say let you sell your likeness. That's great if you're the quarterback or the running back because everybody's going to buy your jersey. So you're going to make some money off jerseys and you're probably going to get a car deal. But a big, ugly defensive lineman or a big, ugly offensive lineman, they're not going to be able to sell their likeness. And number one, I hate when we devalue, and I'm saying, listen, college, college sports aren't perfect, but I hate when we devalue a free college education. But I'm really concerned about this slippery slope about allowing players to sell their likeness. What do you come down on that? Well, I think they ought to be compensated in some way. I've got a couple ideas. I do think if you open this to the free market in the Wild West, there's all kinds of problems that would arise we can't even anticipate. Let's say a company in Alabama or Louisiana or pick a state decides that not really, but we're going to say that your market value, your name and likeness is worth hundred grand to us just by signing with the team. It's a de facto signing bonus. Anybody that is recruited by there knows they're going to get paid for a name and likeness, even though, as you said, a lineman might not sell one item of merchandise. They'll still pay a five-star guy that because they support X team. Uh, we just fraught with cheating and all kinds of problems. How about, I was talking with Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 about this. How about players get medical insurance for life? You know how tough and punishing the game is. They're, they're going to need care once they get spit out of the system. Yes. They don't have that, that five-star medical care they get for free. What about for life you get free medical insurance? For, That's a for, great for idea. Your service? I mean, so it's a way to compensate without just saying, hey, 
hey, dude, here's a bunch of cash. Go blow it on whatever you want, because we know what college kids do with, with money, and especially those if you're not used to having it. You, you could mismanage it and blow it and ruin it. And I, I think there's ways to compensate them that are, if you're open-minded about it, that it might even be better than just, hey, here's an envelope of cash. Hey, uh, speaking of, of the college days, Chris, uh, University of Colorado for you, correct? Yes, correct. And, yeah, and in class of what? Um, 1985. 85. Okay, so I was year. University of Georgia class of 78. You worked at the campus radio station. I did. And as did I. Um, and I thought, because I've dug up this clip the other day, I was going through an old box of stuff in my house, and I actually came across some old cassettes. And this is the first thing I ever did on media for WUOG, they assigned me to do, because hockey was relatively new to the area, Hockey Corner. So here's just a clip which you might find <laughs> enjoyable. Each team is allowed six players on the ice at one time, three forwards, two defensemen, and one goalie. The players use bladed sticks up to 55 inches long to shoot the puck, a one-inch thick and three-inch wide disc of rubber, weighing five and a half ounces into the opponent's goal. Players are capable of sending the puck up to speeds of 100 miles per hour. And this fact, along with the constant action of each game, accounts for many people's claims that hockey is the world's fastest sport. For WUOG Hockey Corner, this is Ernie Johnson. Bravo, man. I, you went deep. You were scientific. You were specific. You were a little dry. But I'll put that down to being a rookie. But I, I learned, I'm a hockey fan all my life, and I learned about vulcanized rubber more than I, more than I knew before right there. Isn't, isn't it amazing, though? I mean, do, do you ever listen to some old stuff that you did when you were? Oh, man. I don't want to listen to last week because I, I, mean, I, I think that you're always a work in progress. You're always in constant need of improvement. I, I have some old tapes. I was on the campus TV show. If I want to cringe, I'll, I'll pull one of those things out and look at it. But I, I had, a, uh, I had a, a talk show on the campus radio station, but I also had a DJ shift. So I was spinning, like, you know, early REM, Depeche Mode, all, all kind of the 80s nice. new wave stuff. I wish I had tapes of that. That would really make me laugh. That's awesome. Well, man, <laughs> listen, uh, we know you're a busy man. Uh, you guys do an awesome job. You know, I'm an SEC guy, so go LSU Tigers uh, Monday night. But, uh, hey, you guys are amazing. Like I said, I watch it every Saturday. The, the headgear thing has become legendary. Uh, I'm starting to love Bear. Uh, bear segment. <laughs> is, a, why did it take a while? You were slow to come around to Bear, Charles, and I, I would think you would be a man of your heart. Yeah, you know, because I'm a gambling degenerate, and there's a reason <laughs> the team is an underdog. You, you just can't be saying – I think the team is a big underdog going to pull the upset because they don't. Because his record is 500 <laughs> for the year. He started hot. but It's he a finished. little over 500. I got to defend my man. It's a little over I, 500. I, I, think, I think it's two games over 500 last time I saw it. <laughs> and that's not a way to make money. So you don't like him, but you know it's one loss record. No, no. I love I, – no, I'm saying I love – I'm starting to love Bear because – you know, it's just awesome, though. I mean, but and, and listen, Here's our thing in this game, Clemson's an underdog. Dabo's super dangerous as a dog. Felica would quote you seven times, including a bunch of times that he beat Alabama as a dog. Part of that is the Superdome effect. Part of it is just that LSU is a public team that scores a million points that people love to bet on. But this is a really interesting deal. All the money, something like ninety-three percent of the money so far. I heard this the other day has come down on LSU. Wow. Now, Dabo's using that. He's loving that. You win 29 in a row. You're the defending champs, and you're a dog. I mean, so, that's you know, hard I, to imagine. I heard people complaining about this really being a home game for LSU. But when you go to these bowl, bowl games, they're so corporate. So Yeah, but that, it's not, not as bad as the Super Bowl. Man, I, I've been in the Dome three times when they played for a championship. And one time it didn't matter because Alabama was a lot better and they got shut out. It was the worst championship game ever. But the two before that, when they beat Oklahoma, when Saban was there, and then they, they beat Ohio State, it was electric. It was unhinged. It, it, was, it was a factor. So, I mean, Clemson's going to need everything they got to withstand it. They like to talk about their character and resilience. All that's true. But it will be unhinged in there, especially if LSU has early success. Chris Fowler, much respect. Always been uh, one of my favorites and whatever you do, whether it's Wimbledon, whether it's college football, whatever you're associated with, it's always better because you're there. So we'll be watching you on Monday night. You and Herbie, give him our best. And uh, thanks so much for being the, 
the first guest ever in the steam room. That's going to look awesome on hey, your they resume. They can never, ever take that away from me. <laughs> even if you I'm want not, them I'm to. Not, I'm not even kidding. I'm, a free, I'm honored by that. I will kick my feet up when I get back from the Aussie tennis, watch you guys run it right through the, the NCAA and the NBA. You guys are the standard, so I, I love watching you right back at you. Thank you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Yeah. See you, fellas. See you, Chris. <laughs> How good was that? That was awesome. You know, and, and Ernie, like, and I can't brag about our show because that just make you an asshole. Um, we still on here? Yeah, no, but we still on, right? Yeah. I so just, I, you yeah, can't, I just didn't you know. Can't, from... you, you can't brag about <laughs> your own show, but people know that we are the standard for the NBA. Those guys are the standard and for, he, co- for college football. Every yeah. weekend I watch their show. And he he set the standard. And then Reese Davis, yeah. over the last several years, has continued mm-hmm. with that excellence and, and just a wonderful vibe on that show. And I'm like you. I love yeah. I love turning it on and watching that theme song and, uh, and watching the show. The, the theme you know? song is awesome. But to me, when you talk about the headgear – and you talk about guest picker. the guest picker. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I mean, it, it's just so iconic when Coach puts on the head. You just start laughing, and the crowd is going crazy. And he's trying to fool them. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're this, and they're this, and that's why I'm picking. Yeah, you know, and, it and, goes and, the and, other and direction. Chris is, is so talented because, you know, and you you got that same type of talent when you go to be able to go from hosting a show to doing actual sports. To doing play-by-play. Doing play-by-play. Yeah. That, that's not easy. No, and, and Chris has done an outstanding job, and he and Herbie work great together. Yeah. So we've had one guest. Yes. Could you believe we're going to have two guests in one show? Wow. Two. On the, fir- the first time we get guests, we're going to have we two? two in the steam room. Jake Tapper of Uh-oh. CNN Ooh. walks now, into the steam room I wonder next. what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Welcome you back inside the steam room where we got Chuck, a special guest, another special guest, our second guest all, all of time of, of in, all time of all time. We've only had two guests. This is the second one. Big. That's a big get for the family. It certainly is. Uh, Chief Washington correspondent for CNN, Jake Tapper. You familiar with the lead with Jake Tapper weekdays at four o'clock Eastern time and State of the Union Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. and Noon. Jake Tapper, thanks a lot for spending some time with us in the steam room. It's an honor. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, is anything going on in your world these days? <laughs> There's so much news. It's so crazy. Monday, we were only going to do three stories. We, you know, we normally do maybe six in, a, in an hour-long show. And we didn't even get to, of the three big stories, uh, Iran, impeachment, and Iowa, the pending Iowa caucus, we didn't even get to Iowa. Then on Tuesday, we didn't even get to impeachment because uh, Iran was such big news. I mean, it's just there's just such a glut of very important stories going on. Jake, how long have you been in, in, in uh, covering presidential politics? For about uh, a, a little bit more than 20 years, about 20. So you've had a few presidents, right? Yeah, yeah. I've interviewed. Have you ever seen where you never get a day off? No. This news cycle's nuts. I mean, and it started it started it started in in earnest uh after um President Trump was inaugurated that, uh, or after he won really. And and then it's just it's just unrelenting. And there was a time in the first year where you would not go on vacation because there would be breaking big breaking stories. <laughs> but now it's just the new it's it's just like if 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 we all lived in a torrential da- downpour all the time, now it's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be gone for this one, but I'll be here for the next one. So just because it's just unrelenting. You know, you've been around longer than me and Ernie. Same thing before Twitter was an actual thing. Yeah. And now the president tweets and starts conversation, controversies, however you want to phrase it. Can, can you believe the power of tweets now? It's I mean, it's uh, I never could have imagined it. Um, I've been tweeting since maybe 08 or 09. And the idea I mean, President Trump just said the other day that the way he is going to inform Congress about 
carrying out military action against Iran is via Twitter. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, pointed out that's certainly not what the founders had in mind. Of course, the founders probably couldn't even imagine what a phone was, much less a computer or a, or, or a phone with a computer in it. But 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 that said, yeah, I mean, it, the, the and, and just the chaos that is unleashed when he makes policy and, and you know, you might remember in the I think it was the first year that he just kind of out of nowhere uh, announced that he was going to ban uh, transgender individuals from joining the military. Uh, and this was something that the Secretary of Defense did not know. He learned about it via Twitter. And it's weird because one of the things that members of Congress, Republicans who don't want to you know, be put in the tough spot of commenting on the president's tweets and actions every day. One of the things they try to do is say, oh, you know, don't pay attention to Twitter or I, uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen the tweet. But, you know, these are, as the White House has said, official presidential proclamations. And, you know, things are being changed. Decisions are being made on Twitter. Um, so, no, I mean, it's just I've, I've never seen anything like it. I do assume that the next president, whenever he or she comes to office in one year or five or whatever, I do assume that things will go back to normal. But I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the new normal. Hey, Jake, um, honestly here, do you follow President Trump on Twitter? Of course. Yeah, you have to, don't you? It's my job. And not yeah. only do I have to, I have to, even when I'm on vacation, I kind of have to follow him on Twitter and see what's going on. You know, I... In the last few days, talking about and you talk about trying to get to these stories from Iran to impeachment. And and you're not I, I'm not just saying this, but Sunday I was driving back from North Carolina and I was listening to CNN on on uh, satellite radio. And it was your show. And um, and you were talking to Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting because you pressed her on this and. I don't even know if she's answered it yet, but you were trying to ask her, do you think that this happened in Iran because you wanted to deflect the attention away from this impending impeachment trial? And yeah, she was making the chart. She was saying that that's yeah. a good question to be asked. And I was just like, really? You, do you think that? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That that's exactly what I'm saying. And she was yeah. like, well, it needs to be. But she wouldn't say that. So so where is What's the general feeling on that entire question? I don't I haven't heard a lot of other people talk about it that way. The idea that the president is wagging the dog, the idea that this was just done to distract from impeachment. And and the reason why is because I I do think that there I mean, military officials and uh, previous administrations have talked before about uh, killing General Soleimani. I mean, it, it, it has happened. I had General Allen on my show yesterday, uh, who used to be in Iraq in 07 and was uh, vice chair of CENTCOM uh, in like 08 to 11, something like that. And he said, you know, we've had him in our sights a few times. So it wasn't as though uh, this was a good guy and, you know, this strike came out of nowhere. It has been discussed and debated before. I haven't really heard uh, Democrats talk about it much uh, other than Elizabeth Warren. Um, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know why, uh, but, but I, I haven't, it hasn't really gotten much more attention than that. You know, my next question, I know you've got to be very careful because you can't be a cheerleader. So you got the Iowa caucus is coming up. You got the debate uh, next week. Where are we at with the Democratic Party, with our candidates? Well, your candidates. Um, <laughs> yes. First of all, Charles, I've been waiting for you to run for governor for 20 years now. And Ernie, you may or may not know this, but I first, he doesn't remember, but I first met Charles in a Wendy's in 1984. Uh, There's a pretty good chance so- of that. Wow. <laughs> I was, I was a, a sophomore in high school, and he was, a, he was our big rookie in Philly. Wow. And I walked into a Wendy's, and oh, there he was. Um, so, uh, and I have been waiting for him to run for office from Alabama, and he was, as you know, crucial to uh, Doug Jones right. uh, winning that Senate seat. Yeah. Um, I think that the Democrats are in a, in, it's, it's, uh, there, it's such a strange dynamic, because first of all, with any other president, 
uh, with the economy doing as well as this one is, with unemployment as low as it is, with wages going up, and not just for the highest end of the scale, but for the but for bottom end of the scale also. Um, then any other president would be at 60% approval rating, 65% approval rating, just because people's, you know, people are doing better. Yes. Um, but because this president is who he is and his behavior is so aberrant and disruptive uh, and he says things that are so offensive to so many people uh, and, and does seem to be so many people to be uh, – trying to divide the country. I mean, it does seem quite often that, that his strategy is division. Uh, I don't think that's controversial to say that. I mean, when you – I remember – just, the, just to, to, to bring it to sports for a second, I remember uh, during the last town hall I did with President Obama, it was a military town hall, and it was – Colin Kaepernick had just started his campaign of, of, of uh, and taking a knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality, and a military – uh, spouse asked Obama about this, and Obama was basically just presenting both sides. Well, I understand why Colin Kaepernick is doing it, and this is why, but also I understand people who get offend, uh, offended by it, and this is why, and it, you know, there should be a space where we can hear each other. And that's basically my position as a newsman also, is when this was an issue, I would have somebody on to talk about why they thought it was good to kneel, to have somebody on who was offended by it, and like, let, the, let the people uh, hear a respectful debate. But President Trump, he picks a side. He picks a side and he goes at the uh, NFL players who are taking a knee. So yeah. um, because he is so, he is so divisive, it's, it's competitive. That said, I don't have any idea who's going to win. It is such a jump ball right now. Uh, to switch from um, ba- uh, football metaphors to basketball. Uh, it is such a jump ball. The, a poll just came out of New Hampshire that had Pete Buttigieg in first place. Um, Biden is still incredibly popular nationally with Democrats, but not state by state. Um, and his support with African-Americans is, is still significant, uh, which will be really important uh, down the stretch. You can't win the Democratic nomination without getting at least a plurality uh, of the African American vote, so I, I wouldn't bet on anybody. Um, I don't, you know, I think Biden is probably nominally the front runner, but not a particularly strong one. Um, and uh, I've talked to Democrats who are going to be on the ticket, uh, who you know, who, who not on the ticket, who will be on the ballot in November, who are worried that Biden will be bad for getting out young people because young people just find him so boring, uh, but also. They're also worried about, you know, what would a Bernie Sanders do in terms of uh, suburban voters? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't know. I'm sorry if that's not a satisfactory. No, answer. I mean, you know, uh, and I, I, I'm an independent, but I lean toward the Democratic Party. And I find the candidates fascinating. Like, uh, I'm intrigued by uh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg and, and, and Tom Steyer, I think that's his name, uh, just trying to learn some about them because uh, – Listen, uh, like I say I lean toward the Democratic Party, and right now I don't see anybody in that group that could beat Mr. Trump. Because like, you said something. Because, like, my financial guy says, he said, I know you're not a big fan of Trump, but we're making a lot of money because the, the economy is the best. It's, uh, and he can't take all the credit, but in fairness, he's been the president for a while now, and the econ- economy has been amazing. Yeah, I mean, the presidents get the credit and they get the blame. It's just a matter of, you know, and it has been pointed out that the economy in some ways has grown uh, has grown more uh, during the Obama years after the recession uh, ended and, and the economy started recovering. But, you know, presidents get the they get the cards they're they're dealt. And, you know, the economy is doing well right now. Like I said, if it were if this if he had just taken office and even if he did his controversial policies, such as um, hardliner on immigration and all that, but had not been as divisive just in terms of his rhetoric and in terms of his tweets, I could see him right now at, you know, 65%. Right now, I'd say it's probably 50-50, just because I I think people are exhausted and, you know, President Trump's disapproval rating remains quite high. Uh, but that said, people do give him credit for the economy, and ultimately, people tend to vote with, well, how do I feel about the country now? How is it affecting me more so than they do about, um, 
you know, more esoteric ideas uh, about, you know, is President Trump setting precedents that will be bad for the country in terms of his rhetoric, in terms of his position on the intelligence communities, the judiciary, his cries of fake news, et cetera. So I, I, I don't I don't know. At the end of the day, a lot of people think this is really just going to come out to which um, which party, the Democrats or the Republicans, which one is going to be more, most effectively get their voters to the polls, uh, that it's going to be a base election. It's not, a, it's not going to be about swing voters. Um, and, you know, I guess I probably subscribe to that more than anything else, that it really is going to have to do with voter enthusiasm, but also, you know, making sure that the voter enthusiasm is in the right states, as Hillary Clinton learned. Hey, hey Jake, I want to go back to, you're a Dartmouth, okay? Uh, yeah. And you're a history major, right? Or That's right. Yeah. Did you ever picture that this would be the career path for you, that the national TV and and uh, being the chief Washington correspondent at CNN was going to be how this turned out? Or what was the plan when you were in college with this B.A. in history? Um, no, not at all. This was not the plan. Um, uh the, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I think I, uh, gen- I wanted to be a cartoonist. Like I wanted to be like. And you still Gary do Cr- some of that, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I used to do a, a weekly comic on the Sunday show, but about a few months ago, when things started getting really, really serious, I just felt like it wasn't appropriate. But um, I wanted to be a cartoonist. I wanted to be a screenwriter. Um, I didn't. Uh, no, I, the news was not necess- not anything I was thinking about at all. Uh, which is why I, whenever I t- speak to young people, I always say, you don't need to know what you're going to do when you're 22. I didn't become a full-time journalist until I was 29, 30. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just I kind of I took a really weird career path because I went to film school at USC uh, in, in Los Angeles. And then I left after a semester. I came back. A friend of the family was working. A friend of the family started running for Congress. And I had nothing, you know, I didn't have anything to do and I needed to, like, draw a paycheck. So I started working for her and then one thing led to another. And then I started doing freelance and eventually ended up in TV, uh, TV news. Best part and worst part of this job? The best part is that I actually am just a news junkie. So even if I were a, a lawyer or a basketball player or whatever, um, that I would be this tuned into the news anyway. Um, that even when I was in film school, I would like listen to, uh, you know, I would listen to the Clarence Thomas hearings on my Walkman in the middle of class, just because I really find it all fascinating. So that's the best part. And then getting to like have people on my show that I really, really love, um, just like picking their brain, finding out what they think about things. Uh, smart people are much smarter than me, or people who are not, maybe not smarter than me, but much more powerful than me, and asking them what they think. Um, and then. The worst part is... Um, I think you probably already touched on it when you said, don't turn the phone off because a day off is going to turn into a work day. Well, the exhausting part of it is, I guess the Trump era is exhausting, and that is, that's difficult, but it's not the worst part of it. I think one of the worst parts of it right now, right now is there really is just a degradation in public discourse, especially in terms of what people are willing to call each other in mm-hmm. terms of names and what people, what people are willing to do in terms of lying. And, you know, I've been a journalist now for about a quarter century, and I just, it's never been this bad where people just blatantly lie and there's just no repercussions, there's no accountability. Um, I mean, Ernie, I watch you and I watch Charles. You guys care about the facts. And if you mess up something, like after the break, you'll come back and correct yourself mm-hmm. if you got some stat right, right, wrong. Not like that happens very often. But if it does, you care about it. You want to make sure that you're accurate and you're right about it. You want to make sure when Charles talks, he wants to make sure that his observations, his color commentary is on point, that it's based in fact. And that's, that's what it used to be that in Washington to a degree and now I just see people just like lying and just sharing lies and sharing videos that are false or out no, of context. I hear you. It's, right. And it's just that to me, it's not necessarily part of the job, but because I can't turn it off, it's dispiriting as an American and as a journalist. But just to watch it, it's just really ugly. And, uh, and it bothers me that more people are not taking a stand against it. Lastly, and, and Chuck, you'll want to hear this. Lifelong Sixers fan, right, Jake? Yes, absolutely. I, although I have to say, 
after Charles left the Sixers, I stopped watching as much. There you uh, go, Jake. Uh, did you didn't stop going to Wendy's though? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, so how far did the Sixers go? Because the Chuckster thinks they're going to the finals. They might. Um, I, you know, I was a little bit more excited a, a month or two ago than I am now. Me too, Bucks, Jake. <laughs> and, and the and the Bucks are so good, and like you know, the Sixers are in there. I mean, they're you know, and who knows? Anything could happen, right? I mean, anything could happen. I'm still watching. I'm still cheering, but um, they they just don't seem to be coming together quite the way that I I really did think they were. Remember, they were undefeated for a little yeah. while there at the beginning, and and so I got um, one leg off the bandwagon, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not going to ever root for another team. I mean, that's my team, but um, you know, I'm a little disappointed. I, you know, but to be a Philadelphian is to have your heart broken. <laughs> Jake Tapper, so kind of you to keep uh, up the great work, my brother. Spend some time with us, man. Yeah, so th- thanks for uh, coming by the steam room and and again keep up the uh, keep up the outstanding work. I know that it's uh, it's nonstop for you, and and we love watching and. Uh, and we learn a lot, so thank you much. Thanks, guys. I love watching you guys, too. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. You know, you know, Jake said something like, it's exhausting, but it's must-watch television. It's exhilarating, too. Uh, yeah. it, I, you know, I, but I agree with him. I, I, I don't like the divisiveness. I don't like when somebody says something good about a Democrat or Republican that other people just go crazy. Like, you see people... Uh, just like, wait, we can disagree and still respect each other. I don't think everybody voted for Trump is racist. Uh, I don't. Uh, uh, I don't think every person, every black person who voted uh, for Obama voted him just because he was black. He's an amazing man. But this bitterness, angry, it's like, yo, man, it's all right to disagree. Uh, but it's, 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 President Trump could only get elected today of the world because if you go back and look at those debates, when you say punchlines, insult people on Twitter, that, that's the environment we are in today. Like, the world, like, I'm watching TV. You know, I, I'm a sports junkie. Like, we, we dissect every morning what some jock tweeted like it's, like, it's, like it's a brain surgeon. I'm like, that dude might have been drunk, mad, or whatever. But these idiots on TV, they discuss it every morning. Like, hey, did you see the tweet? I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> yes. Uh, it drives me crazy. Hey, uh, when we come back, uh, a regular uh, segment that we have here in the steam room, local news. Well, with, first of all, that's with our great, esteemed producer, Tim Kyle. Well, that's the per- that's the perfect way to describe him. Regular. <laughs> regular. He's regular. <laughs> I, as I can see through the steam and the fog in here. Uh, Boy, we need some more inside steam. the steam room. Tim Kiley, our esteemed inside the NBA producer and product of local news, is here with our local news fix. And he's got uh, these the sandals, work. athletic sandals with the short socks. I do have shorts on. Yeah. Thank goodness. And uh, legs that look like fungo bats. <laughs> Sticks. We have we have two guests. Unbelievable, unbelievable how this Chris thing Fowler is. Growing. How many Jake millions Tapper. of people are downloading this? Oh, like three million just just for just e- five e- minutes ago. Three million yes, people right. downloaded. Yes, oh, good. It's gonna be like eight million total. Hey, uh, Ernie, yeah. I don't know if this is what you remember. I'm the local news guy. You're the local news guy. Yeah. And every local station had there were like three or four theme songs that they had to have. Yes. This was ours. I don't know if you remembered. <laughs> That's not bad. This is why they were reporting three murders or, you know, a fiery building. Are you serious? Yes. This, do you remember? Uh, Classical yeah. Gas, it was called. Yeah, Mason Williams. Mason Williams. Yeah. There you go. I don't like that. But uh, you use that for your for your news theme? Oh, yeah. They opened it and put it through yeah. the whole news. But, yeah, they used yeah. to have all kind of – there was always a big horn section. <laughs> da, 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 da. Now – Channel 2 This could happen to you. Yes. yes. All right, here we go, Chuck. Yes, sir. Dateline, Richmond Heights, Missouri. 
Missouri? Missouri. Right. I like the way you said that. All right. Yeah, Josie Wells. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> one of the greatest movies. Oh, Josie Oh, I love one of the greatest movies. We're going movies up though. to Kansas yeah. to fix things a ride. <laughs> anyway, officers were called to an undisclosed mattress store after employees found a person sleeping in a display bed. The person claimed they had been trying out the mattress the night before and fell asleep. Police were called to a mattress store where an employee found a man sleeping on a display bed. The man claims that he was testing it out the night before, fell asleep. Apparently somebody came later on. We can say he didn't lose any sleep over it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> Monica, back to you. <laughs> Monica? All right, I just have a question. Greatest job in the world. What would it be for you, Chuck? Oh, probably a professional golfer. Okay. Ernie? I, I kind of like what I'm doing now and have been doing for... 30 years? For more than that. I'm just saying, 1979 on the radio for the first time. Well, you got a radio face. Like 40 years. Uh, listen, think about this. This story we just did. Somebody's got to test beds. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. Now, how would you like it if your job was you left? Honey, I'm going to work. I got to go to sleep. No. no now, you don't no. think it would be a great job? I do not think that would be a good job. They wouldn't right. let you sleep. You just get on. You just you have to, to get on. on I think you need to sleep all day long. to be able to sample the entire. No, night. no, no. Because then, no, you can't. All right, enough of that, I guess. Wow. So those are the. That's the local. No, I got one more. I got one more. Just take take a second here. Okay. Everything's stuck. Dateline Tempe. It's a lot going on in Arizona, Chuck. I'm a little concerned for you. You should be concerned about this spreading to your hometown in Uh-oh. Scottsdale. Have you heard about this? No. Someone's going around the city of Tempe, spray painting graffiti. Take a stroll through Tempe, and you'll see scooters, trains, joggers, and graffiti. One tag showing up all over is Penis Man. The moniker painted on abandoned buildings, city dumpsters, old couches. It could be a small sticker on a stop sign, all the way up to a mural on a wall. There's some people, of course, that that think it's funny, and then there's other people that want it removed immediately. Emma Renz has seen it herself. Gross. But her boyfriend, Brady. For me, I feel like it's okay to think it's funny, but for the whole city, I think it's probably good they're getting rid of it. The city of Tempe says they hope to catch the crass culprit. Until then, they'll keep repainting painting and hope the man or woman behind the moniker moves on so what do you use a, a sharpie when you do that chuck uh, i was oh. gonna say <laughs> first of all that's hilarious i'm not approved uh but that's hilarious he struck over for, he well she could it be a she it's not a struck, she would it, it struck over for it'd be I penis did. woman if it was a she wouldn't it yeah uh, but she's trying to throw people off it could be so struck over 40 you think times, it's funny Chuck. but what, what, it, what if it showed up on your mailbox around the side of your uh, house oh i beat him down <laughs> but the, it's funny when it happened like it's like a lot of it's funny when it happened to other people yeah this dude ain't getting in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, along those same lines, TK, uh, I, you know my son, my oldest son, Eric. Yeah. Oh, the one and only. Yeah. And so when he was in uh, grade school, he and his buddies had a trick that they <laughs> would always, they would talk to guys in their classes, hey, you want to be in our club? And they were like, I was sure, I'll be in your club. And he said, what is it? It's the Pen 15 Club. And so and they would write pen 15, but the five didn't really look like a five. It looked more like an S. No, that's and, hilarious. And so these guys, these kids were walking around school with us and, and teachers. Were, what do you, why do you have that? It's the pen 15 club. <laughs> I knew I liked that kid for some reason. Yeah. He is, he is, that dude is one of the fun. That's where you're saying, he your is. sense of humor dropped right on it. No, that, that's hilarious. But do you remember this? We used to challenge Kenny. He had to work a word into his, his spiel on the air yeah. when he was breaking down thing. And so, we, you know, it would be anything. But I said to him, penis. Use the word penis. And, and he starts screwing around. I go, come on, I'm just kidding. And he comes out and he goes, you know, Ernie, in the first half, it's like this. My pen is here. And he went and, had it and yeah. got it in that way. Yeah. So oh, there you go. That's weak. All right. Hit the music. Makes me want to watch the news. That's it. I, I'm going to Tempe and drive around. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Thanks, be back. Fellas. You got it, TK.
We finish up the steam room um, with that old school thing, the uh, Chuck's answering machine. <laughs> You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hey, Charles, this is Dayton Wood calling you from Victoria, B.C., Canada. Charles, I know you love to try to play golf in your free time. I was just curious, who is your favorite person that you've played golf with to this point in your life? And is there anyone out in the world that you'd love to try and get around round of golfing with? Thanks, man. I love your show. Well, number one, uh, Victoria, British Columbia is awesome. They got some great golf courses up there. They do. And, you know, shout out to my boy up in Toronto, Rod Black and Leo Rounds. I go to Toronto every summer, play golf with them guys. Love you, brothers. Miss you, John Saunders, one of the best dudes ever. Uh, But Canada's my favorite place. You know that. Uh, Playing with Tiger in his heyday was incredible. For you, but not for him. Oh, it was great for me. Uh, it was great for me. Uh, that was always awesome because he's the greatest golfer who ever lived. Uh, he was fun to just watch. Playing with Phil Mickelson was always awesome because he's probably the most talented golfer I've ever been around. Uh, and nobody's had more talent. I like to play with Ernie Els, uh, probably uh, Justin Thomas. You would like to play? Yes. Okay. Brooks Kepka. I like playing with great players because, like, these are these are guys that are going to be all going to be Hall of Famers. Uh, uh, but Justin would be fine with Brooks, uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, Adam Scott. Any of those guys in the? Oh yeah, yeah. Jordan Spieth. Um, how about a how about a non professional golfer who would you like to play with? Uh, Condoleezza Rice. Uh-huh. She's on my bucket list to play golf with. To meet. Oh, so you haven't met her yet? I haven't met her, but I know she plays golf a lot. Yeah. Uh, but Condoleezza Rice would probably, she's on my bucket list to meet. Right. And to get a chance to play golf with her would be really cool. I played with Phil one time at the PGA Grand Slam of Golf out there at Poipu Bay out yeah. there in Hawaii. And he played with each of our groups for like three or four holes. And in front of him, I ran in back-to-back like 20, 25-foot birdie putts. And then... Sprayed a ball. We both play lefty. Sprayed a ball so far left off the tee. And he stood there and he said, I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit that sideways in my entire life. <laughs> so I got that going for me. Uh, that's the steam room, Chuckster. Uh, episode three is in the books. Memorable, hey, to say the y'all least. Y'all thought we wasn't going to make it. Man. You know uh, what come after three, four? Chris Fowler, Jake, Jake Tapper, Tapper, Tim Kyle. Yes. Well, Chris Fowler, Jake Tapper. You could have just stopped there. We'll see you next time in the steam room.